Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Fountain Church Podcast. Our prayer is that God speaks to you in a real and powerful way. So go ahead, grab your Bible, grab a notepad and your coffee, and let's dive in. I want to take you back uh, to North Carolina. Uh, this was a, a while back, uh, several, several years ago, I think a couple decades ago. But there was a train that was headed on a particular route, and the train ended up, you know, was going full speed ahead. And back in the day, they used to have these guys that would stand out on the tracks, and they would wave a flag. A white flag would mean uh, you're clear to go, and a red flag, I'm sure you guys can understand what that means. It means to stop. And so this train was going full speed ahead. The, the young man was down there waving the flag to stop because the bridge was out ahead. Well, the train blew right through um, the waving of the flag, headed onto the broken down bridge, derailed, went down the mountainside, and tragically, everybody died. So as you, as you could imagine, there was a big lawsuit uh, against the, the train company. And during the lawsuit, they, they discovered that this young man really was waving the flag because that kind of came into question, was the flag raised. And so the young man says, man, I was out there, I was waving this flag, but what they realized was that the flag was so old and the red was so faded that it actually looked white. And how many of you guys know direction, clear direction is really important? Because if there's not clear direction, it can actually cost us a little bit. You know, I I love what what James says. James says it this way. He says, why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. So basically, our life is equivalent to a glade spray. James said, that's it. He says, instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and we will do this or do that. If it is the Lord's will. And I think that kind of raises the question for all of us, and I think we've asked this as followers of Jesus. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus, but you've still asked this question is, what is the will of God for my life? Like, what is the will of God? What does it mean to follow Jesus? How does God really lead us? Is it possible for me to really know and understand the will of God? Like, how do I know what it is? Now, if you're a new follower of Jesus, if you're a new believer, that may be a little bit, it may be a little bit skewed for you, right? Uh, your perspective of God has probably been shaped a little bit by your upbringing, uh, a lot by culture, maybe just of what you've experienced through our culture when it comes to God. And maybe, maybe movies has even shaped your, your image of God a little bit. And I, I remember when I was a little kid, you, you would see different things like churches were always like super big and mysterious and you would see all this on movies and then you come to church you're like, I really wasn't like that. Um, but, but we get shaped in certain ways and maybe you've been following Jesus for some time. I think the danger for us that have been following Jesus for some time, many times we tend to move backwards if we're not careful and find ourselves once again, being more shaped by culture than we are the scripture. But when it comes to the will of God, some of us, we, we think the will of God is a strict regimen, right? It's, it's just, it's very strict. It's, it's super precise. Like, Every time I pull into Costco, Lord, you got the perfect spot for me. Where is it, Lord? Come, Holy Spirit, move in this parking lot, right? I was talking to Pastor Chris, and he said when he was in college, he said there was a guy that was asking God. I mean, it was, this is how he saw the will of God. And, 
And he asked the Lord, what should I eat? Should I eat McDonald's or Jack in the Box? And he said the Lord didn't respond, so he just didn't eat that day, right? It was like, I just thought maybe the Lord's saying neither. Go to In-N-Out. But nevertheless, the will of God is In-N-Out Chick-fil-A. Um, some of us may see the will of God, though, a little bit more like, like a treasure hunt, right? Like, like the will of God is hidden, but if you're super diligent, maybe you'll be able to find it, right? It's kind of like a proverbial game of Marco Polo. You know, Marco Polo, you're like, man, I'm getting closer, getting closer, right? And then others of us, we just are like, God is sovereign. It really doesn't matter. God's will is going to happen anyways. So let's just relax, go with the flow, and enjoy the ride, right? Like, it's not that pressing. I mean, if God said it, I mean, he knows all things. He, I mean, come on. Let, let's just go with the flow and let whatever happens, happens, the will of God. And then I think others of us, it feels a little bit more impossible, right? Like, I just... The will of God seems so hard and so such a struggle to find, and it just feels like this impossible mission should you choose to accept it. Um, and it's just there, there's this struggle and there's this tension. Well, well, the Apostle Paul, he was writing to the church of Colossae. In your Bible, in the New Testament, you'll find a book called Colossians. And Colossians was, Colossians was simply a church. It was the church of Colossae that the Apostle Paul was writing to. And, and Paul had this angst in his heart for this church. Paul said, listen, we are constantly praying for you. He said it this way. He said, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God for what? Now, did, did Paul say, we continually ask God that everything would go your way? We continually ask God that you would have no trouble. That would be so easy in life. The will of God. Right? Did, he, did he pray, man, we continually ask God that you would have perfect clarity in all that you do. No, he, he prayed something a little bit different. He, he said, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying God for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Paul's like, listen, I just, I have this heart's cry that you would understand, that you would know, that you would obey, and that you would walk and live in the will of God. Like, I want you to know the will of God. And, and, and you got to understand in Colossae, there were a lot of false teachers that were putting out a lot of knowledge and wisdom. But Paul said, I want you to have a knowledge and wisdom that only comes by the spirit of the living God. And, and understanding and knowing the will of God, it has some benefits. Paul continues and he says, I want you to understand the will of God so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Like as a follower of Jesus, isn't that the goal? Like, don't you want to live and please him in every single way? I mean, I want to get to the end of my life and hear those, those famous words, right? Well done, good and faithful servant. Like, like my heart's desire is to please God, not because I'm trying to earn something, but because of all that he's already done for me. It's a beautiful picture of Christianity. Christianity is not based on something we do, but is based on the person and work of what Christ has done. And for that, it's like, God, I want to live my life for you. I want to please you in all that I do. Paul said, you're also going to bear fruit in every good work. 
Like how many want your, your work to be fruitful? Like, like meaning the trajectory of your life is going to be impacted when you understand, walk, know, and live in the will of God. Like, like God is going to, uh, to, to cause you to bear fruit, and that work that you do is going to be for your good, for others' good, for his glory. Come on, that's a pretty good benefit. And he said also growing in the knowledge of God. You see, the will of God many times is as we begin to walk in the will of God, more of God's will is revealed as we walk continuously with him. We, we get to know him more. We, get to, uh, we, we begin to understand um, his word a little better. His voice becomes clearer and clearer. And he says, also being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. Come on, how many could use a little bit of power, endurance, and patience in this time? Patience in this time. Anybody use a little bit of patience? And so, so Paul is saying, listen, if you know the will of God, you will know how to live. And we went over this a couple of weeks ago, and I had to go through really quickly, and I've gotten some questions around this, and it seems to kind of intrigue people. So I want to go back and revisit a little diagram that I brought up to you, but I changed it up a little bit because I, I feel like this is going to be really, it's going to help provide some clarity. Now, now when it comes to the will of God, scholars will uh, kind of, use three dimensions of the will of God. They'll use God's decreed will. Now, God's decreed will is basically God decrees it, and he has the power and the action behind it to see it to completion. So like all of the Old Testament prophecies, when God said, this is going to happen, like let's just take the, Jesus, the Messiah, right, that God would send his son. That just, Jesus didn't, just didn't pop up in John three sixteen, right? No, like, prophetic words in the Old Testament of God decreeing that a Savior is coming. And what happened? A Savior did come, right? Jesus always was, always is, and will always be, but that's another message for a different time. But the point is that so many prophetic words that God declared in the Old Testament came to pass. And when God speaks, he has the power and the action to make it happen. So let me give you another example kind of in, in our time and in our day. Jesus says, I am going to return. Can I just tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that is God's decreed will, and he's coming back. Like, Jesus will return. He has both the power and the action to put behind what he declares. But then there's also God's desired will, which is the will of God that we find um, in the scriptures, meaning it's God's revealed will to us. And then there's God's directive will. And this is where we all love the directive will, like, okay, God, what's next? Who should I marry? How should I invest? What house should I live in? Like, like, should I buy this? Should I not buy that? Like, should I talk to this person? Should I not? We love the directive will, but let me go back to God's desired will. So God's desired will is, is really God's heart and desire for you and I that's, that we find revealed in Scripture, revealed in the Bible. Like, like when we look in the scriptures, we see that God's desire will for us is for us to meditate on the word of God. Do you know that fasting, we're in 21 days of fasting and prayer. Fasting is part of God's desired will for your life. Christ-centered friendships is God's desired will for us. Uh, to pray, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. To love our neighbor as ourselves, to bless those that persecute us, uh, to not pay attention so much to the speck in your neighbor's eye, but to deal with the plank in our own eye, to rejoice always, to pray continually, to give thanks in all things, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, 
For this is the will of God for your life. To walk by the Spirit and not walk according to the flesh. Like God says, man, this is how life is best lived. I've revealed to you in my word, this is my desire for you. This is my design for life. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, like in view of all that he's done, present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to him, for this is your reasonable act of worship. And do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can know, approve, and test what God's will is, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. So, so what Paul is saying there, Paul is saying, listen, you will either conform or be transformed. It is God's desire for us that we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind through his word, not conformed to the spirit of the age or our culture of everything that's happening around us. Paul takes it a step further in Philippians chapter 4, and he says, man, I want you to think like this. Like, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God is saying, I want you to think about things that are true, things that are noble, things that are of a good report, things that are worthy of praise. I want you to think this is my desired will for your life. And so that's why the Bible is so important because it's, it's the foundation, it's the filter that affect all of our decisions, which many times affects our direction. Are you tracking with me on this? So let me say it like this. God's desired will is like a blueprint. A blueprint. Now, if you don't know what a blueprint is, it's a very detailed design of something that's getting ready to be built, right? Or something that's in the process of being built. In this case, it's a house. And so there's obviously you can see some bedrooms and the kitchen. And, but, but it's extremely detailed. It's, it's a very detailed design. It, it makes the, the measurements and, and all of the different angles very clear. It's, it's foundational to the building of a house. To, to the building of a home or a building or anything. And the blueprint is cool because it allows you to take a quick look when things are ambiguous and you're not really sure like what to do. It's like I can go back to the blueprint and take a quick peek so I can correct back to course. Are you, are you guys with me on this? And so, so God says, listen, um, I have a blueprint. I have a desired will for life, for marriage, for singleness, for purity, for friendship, for family, for, for life, for godliness, for storms, for pain. I got a very specific design and guidelines that will affect our decisions as we build in the midst of all of those things. Are you with me on that? God says, I have a design for life. I have a desired will for you that if you would, if you would take this blueprint empowered by my spirit and use that as your starting point, man, it's going to be a strong house, not built on sand, but have a solid foundation. And so, so the desired will is like a blueprint, and God's directive will is a little bit more like a game plan. So I, I told you a couple weeks ago that God's directive will is a little bit more like a garden than a burden. Sometimes the directive will seems like a huge burden. Gosh, what decision do I make? What should I do? Should I turn left? Should I turn right? Should I stay with this person? Should I leave this person? Should I open my mouth? Like, it can just, it can feel like a burden. God, I don't know what you want me to do. But God's directive will is le- a, a lot less like a burden and, and more like a garden. You know, it, it, it's really interesting that 
God spoke very clearly to Adam and Eve. If we go all the way back to the garden in Genesis, God spoke very clearly. God said, don't eat from this tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Blueprint. That's my desired will for you. But all the other trees, game plan. There's freedom. You choose. There, there's there's some, some space for you to move. Like, I'm not going to monitor what you're eating every single day. Like, should I eat carrots? Should I eat peas? Should I, you know, <laughs> I mean, should I eat McDonald's? Should I eat Jack in the Box? No, there, there's freedom there. I, I've given you some guidelines for some healthy eating. So if you're walking in that, that's going to affect your decision. That's going to dra- dramatically affect your direction. But it's a, it's a, it's a lot like a game plan. There, there's some freedom to move. Are you, are you with me on that? And, and a game plan in the spirit of football, the Raiders, I think, are playing right now, probably losing because they could use one of these. Just saying. Oh, just kidding. If you're online and you're watching. Hey, listen, some of you guys online, you got me on, then you got the game on, like picture in picture. It's not even fair. It's not even fair. Um, but, but the Raiders are, are playing today. They have no fans which is pretty consistent, and because um, they're, not, they're not allowed. The fans aren't allowed to be in the, ah, come on, we got to have fun. It's Sunday, Sunday. But, but the cool thing, I don't know anything about football, but I know that a lot of plays start with HB, whatever that means, an HB blank, 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 right? And, and so the cool thing is this. The cool thing is, is in order to understand the game, game plan, you have to understand the blueprint. You have to understand the guidelines of the game. Are you with me? Meaning you can't understand the game plan without the guidelines of the blueprint. Because you're going to mess up the whole plan. Right? So so there are some boundaries and some guidelines. There is a blueprint in the NFL on certain boundaries that you have, certain trees that you can't touch. But then there's a game plan where you, on the field, as long as you're within those boundaries and those guidelines, man, you're free to, to run the play. Now, in HB play, as a quarterback, I may... I have about four options. If this guy's open, I'm going to pass it to him. If that guy's open, I'm going to pass it to them. Somebody's on the game right now. Like, are you serious? Like, are you serious? They're going to lose. Let it go. Move on. Um, and so, look at uh, this is real life, man. This is it's addiction. I should have preached on idolatry today. Lord. And so, 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 as a quarterback is getting ready to run the play, they have a lot of different options. But if all these guys are blocked, then I may have to run the ball, right? So there's just freedom to move within the game plan as long as we're sticking to the blueprint. But, but now once in a while, the coach will just call a directive. The coach will say, you know what? We're just going to kick the ball. That's going to be the direction. There's no options. We're just going to kick. Edgar and Veronica, perfect example. They got how to call to Tennessee, but God didn't tell them a city. So the desired will was Tennessee. The game plan, God's like, you choose. They didn't feel like there was a clear, you know, direction from the Lord to any city. So they just went and they explored, tried stuff, prayed through, walking in God's desire will, praying him, seeking him, asking him. And then they arrived at a city. They're like, man, this seems to, to be right. Are you with me on that? And so sometimes, you know, God is going to, you know, call a specific play in our life when it comes to the direction. But sometimes God's not. God's going to say, hey, listen, stick with the blueprint, and you're going to understand how to move within the game plan a whole lot better. But a lot of times we find a lot of tension here, a lot of confusion here when it comes to direction, when it comes to the will of God. And a lot of times if you were to step back, you'll probably find a lot of tension here where there's compromise here. 
you'll probably find a lot of tension here when there's a lack of understanding here. You'll find a lot of confusion here when you're confused and don't know here. So, so like if you're single and maybe you're like, man, I'm just waiting for that specific one. Like some believe that God's directive plan for them to find a spouse is specific. But, but let me just propose something to you. Let's just say that was true. If one of us missed it, we're all in trouble, right? Like, let's just say five people miss it. It's like, no, you, you were supposed to marry June, but now because you married June, now she was supposed to marry Greg, and then now Greg's supposed to marry Gina, but now you're, like, we're in trouble. And I think sometimes God will say, yes, this is the one, very specific. But I think many times God says, I have a desired will and a blueprint for how you should explore. Like, as a single, if you are not equally yoked, you're going to find a lot of tension here. Are, are you with me on that? So, so if you're clear here, it's going to make direction a whole lot more clear. Because if you're like, Lord, I don't know what to do. Like, he's kind of saved. He's coming to church. But I just don't have this peace. I just... Like, you're going to find a lot of tension here when this is compromised. Like, like, when you're walking in sin here, oh, forget it. Direction is like, oh, Lord, what's wrong? Why aren't you answering me? God's like, well, let's start here again. Like, why would I reveal here if you don't want to listen to me here? Are you tracking with that? I, I think when it comes, I, sure, you can clap for that. I think when it comes to marriages, like here, God, how do we get better? How do we stop yelling at each other? How do we break some of this bondage? Right, and some things, man, people need deliverance. There's demonic forces at work, and we got to contend and pray over our marriages, right? There's strongholds. But again, a lot of times we deal with symptoms. Let's start with communication and expectations. Those are huge in marriage. But if you're living here, coaching those here will be so much easier. Like, because remember what God said, his desired will for husbands is for us to lay our lives down for our wives as Christ did the church. And for wives to submit to your husbands, ouch. But, but you see, if you put those together, it's a mutual submission. When there's a mutual submission, all of a sudden direction becomes very clear. Like when we're walking as a married couple really strongly here. It's going to help our clarity on direction, on how we move, even our willingness to move toward one another in a greater way. But a lot of times if we start here but we're distorted down here, oh, it's just going to create a lot of tension. Like, like what about your career? God, I want some more money. Let's start with your generosity. Let's start there. How are you stewarding what I've already given you? And then sometimes I think we, when it comes to career, we get a little bit stuck because God has a desired will. God has a specific call in our life. Let's just say uh, uh, for me as a pastor or to preach. Let's just say for all of us, God has a specific will to preach the gospel, right? Um, but, but I think we have to understand that sometimes there's a difference between call and assignment. Meaning God has called us all to preach the gospel. Where that is, there could be some freedom there. Unless God speaks something very directive to you. 
Unless God pulls one of those audible plays that, no, this is a specific direction I want you to run in. But I think for, for some of us, it's like, man, Lord, we're seeking your face. We're praying. We're walking in your desired will. Um, and we're, we're trying to make a decision with our career. There's a few options open. And there may be some times where God just says, man, pick one. Pick one. And so, so we just have to, you know, you can see that when you're walking in God's desired will, what are you going to be doing? You're going to be praying. You're going to be seeking his face. You're going to be worshiping. You're going you're to be walking so closely with God so that when God speaks or door closes, you just get it. And it's just a lot more clear. It doesn't mean it's going to always be crystal clear. There may be some wrestle intention, but a lot of times where there's wrestle intention, rather than just trying to figure it out here, just go back here. And say, Lord, I'm just going to continue to pray about this. I'm going to continue to walk in this desired will that you have for my life, knowing that at some point um, you're going to help me understand what's, what's next. Are, are you guys tracking with me on this? And so, so what I'm saying is this. If, if you don't know God's desired will, you will suffer in his directive will. Like if, if you're just not clear on that, you're going to suffer when it comes to direction. Again, why would God reveal here when we're not walking or listening to him here? And I think that the danger sometimes is when we treat this like a blueprint, if we miss it, like let's just say, man, got married and it's just bad. If we treat this always like a blueprint, we may say, man, I just missed it. This is not God's will for my life. And then we run when God has called us to change. And we see that, we see that happen all the time. It's just, she wasn't the one. And God's like, no, I wanted you to change. I didn't want you to leave. So let, let me give you an example of this because I want to really drill this down home so it really gets in and you can help you understand. So the Apostle Paul, um, he said it this way. He said, now uh, in Acts chapter 13, this is explaining uh, what God is doing in the, uh, the early church. And it says, Now in the church at Antioch, there was prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, God's desired will, right? They're walking in the will of God there. The Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Now this is a very specific direction. This is where God is calling a kick play. There's not going to be multiple, you know, receivers. You're not going to run on this one. You're going to kick the ball. Very specific. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Right? Well, let's fast forward. So that, that's very specific. God speaks very specifically, right? But then we have Acts 16, and Paul and his companions, they traveled throughout the region of Phygia and Galatia, Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia, when they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus wouldn't allow them, so they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. So I, I love this picture because of the word tribe. So now all of a sudden, Paul is very clear on God's desired will for him to preach the gospel to the world. But right now, Paul is just, he's going, and he's trying. He's, let's try this city. Holy Spirit said no. Well, let's try this city. Holy Spirit said no. All right, well, I guess Troas is our only option. Let's go to Troas. 
And so, so you got to understand that this beautiful picture of Paul is walking in the desired will of God, but he has to try a couple of things before, you know, like God is revealing his will on the journey. Like I said, and like Paul prayed for the church of Colossae, sometimes God's will is revealed to us on the journey. Like Paul knew that he was supposed to preach the gospel, to plant churches. The game plan wasn't crystal clear. There was a few options. But God said, listen, man, I, I had some, some different plans. You know, God says a man plans his ways in Proverbs, but the Lord directs his steps. So can I just tell you, you still need to plan your ways. But the Lord is faithful to direct your steps. God can shut a door if he doesn't want you somewhere. Like, he is so good at that. Like, we just see clearly the Holy Spirit said, no, no. The, the question, though, is like, Paul, will we listen when God shuts the door? You see, for Paul, the natural wisdom would have said we minister in this progression. Why? Because geographically, they're in order. Like, it would make sense. But sometimes natural wisdom and spiritual wisdom, they're completely different. And so natural wisdom would say, no, Asia is the right spot. And the Holy Spirit's like, no. And so many times we're like, yes. Like, why would I go all the way to Troas? See, what, what you may not know, this seems really short here. But Troas from Mycia is 400 miles in, the, in a different direction. Are you tracking with me on that? So Troas for Paul does not make natural sense. Like, what? But so many of us, we try to kick down the doors. But Paul walking in the desired will of God, sensitive to the voice of the Spirit, is just able to say, it's not it. Let's try another one. Nope. It's not it. Let's go down to Troas, and let's see what happens there. So they go down to Troas, and what ends up happening is during the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. I love this part. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So, so now get this picture. Paul gets a dream. And all of a sudden, he wakes up. He's like, man, guys, I had this dream. What do you think? And they concluded that it was the Holy Spirit. And they said, let's go. You see, I think this is really important to understand. Paul didn't push in Asia, in Bithynia. He didn't try to kick the door down. Because what many of us fail to understand when it comes to the will of God is this. I love how Larry Osborne says it. He says, the will of God is not just a what, but a when. There's a timing. Does God care about Asia? Absolutely. Does God care about Bithynia? For sure. But God has a, a game plan. God, there's, there's a timing to how God wants to move. And so, so many of us, what ends up happening is we get the call. I'm called to the nations. Blueprint. But then we get stuck in the game plan because we're waiting for a specific moment where the heavens part and lightning strikes and the Lord says, that one. And so, so many of us end up just stuck in the call, but never moving, never trying, never, let's try Asia, let's try Bithynia. We just get stuck waiting, and we get behind what the Spirit of God is doing. God's like, man, go, and let me unfold some things on the way. If it's not clear, if the game plan isn't clear, the call is clear, man, you don't need a perfect game plan for your neighbor. Just go talk to him. Are you with me? You don't need to wait. God, I, there, there could be a timing, 
But if the Lord hasn't shut the door, or they haven't shut the door, right, then go talk to them. But then on the other side, I think sometimes we get ahead of God. But before we get ahead of God, let me, let me just give you David as an example. David and Goliath, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you've heard of them, maybe you haven't. But it's an incredible story in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel 17. You should go and read it. But, but David one day is just being obedient to the desired will of God, which is obeying his father. Right? Obey your father and your mother. This is God's desired will for us. And his father says, hey, I want you to take some, some you know, meals to your brothers, take some lunchables down to, to the battlefield. And so David goes down there, and as he's doing that, he hears Goliath taunting the Israelite army. Paul offers a reward for the man that will defeat him. And you know what David says? I'll fight him. Like, it wasn't this specific moment. It's just him walking in the desired will of God, being obedient to what God had called him to through obeying his father, and on that journey, all of a sudden, it was like this opportunity comes up, and David's like, I'll do it. Like, why are you guys cowering from this? All of a sudden, David stepped to the plate in this moment, and so don't get behind. Don't get stuck waiting for a specific when God says, man, there's some freedom. Go and try a few things, and that may be part of your development, part of you hearing the voice of God. But then sometimes I think we can get ahead of God and we fail to see that the will of God is a lot like a Polaroid. You guys remember the Polaroid picture? They're kind of making a comeback a little bit. My kids had them, but, the, but then they're so expensive and then they lose, like they, they take like four pictures and it's done. And they're like, I need another pack. Like you took a picture of the chair. Don't take pictures of the chair. <laughs> take pictures of your mom and your dad, right? But, but a Polaroid, you got to kind of shake it, right? Outcast, shake it like a Polaroid picture, as theologians. Um, uh, so all the young people are like, 30-somethings, you got me. 40-somethings, you got me. 50s, you're like, outcast? Who's outcast? Um, but but, but I, I want you to get this picture. Sometimes there's a developmental process. God's will is not just a what, but it, it's a when. I remember when um, Jackie and I started to feel the call to plant a church. I went to my pastor, and I said, hey, pastor, this is what I think God is calling us to do. Can I have your blessing? And he looked at me and said, Matt, go for it. So I was working as a youth pastor, got a job at Red Bull third, because I was like, oh, we're going to need to provide. I'm going to need to get a second job. I had this whole plan. Third day on the job, I'm in a cooler, and God's hand is so heavy on me, I just break down in tears. It was like God saying, what are you doing? I was planning my ways, but the Lord was directing my steps. I was stepping out in faith, and the Lord said, listen, you, you didn't invite your pastor into this process. You told him what you were going to do, but you didn't invite him in. So I went back to my pastor, and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, repent. Repent to your pastor. So I said, man, I'm really sorry this wasn't my motive, but I really didn't invite you into the process. And he said, you know, Matt, man, he said, it's so funny. He said, there's no doubt that you guys are ready, but I did have a little reservation on the timing. And so many people were like, no, you need to go. Just do it, do it. We stayed for another six years. And then one day he got a call, and then he called me, and we're here. And so, so, so what I'm saying is this, like, we, we, can, uh, we can get ahead, not just fall behind, but we can get ahead of God, and we don't want to do that. You don't want, God may put a dream in your heart, but there is a timing to things. Let, let me give you a few examples of them, some things that you might, that give you some few examples that you would know that the timing is off. Uh, number one, if, if, you have to, if you have to do wrong to accomplish right, it's not the right time. It may be a great call and a great dream, but it's not the right time. Moses is a great example of that. He was called to set God's people free, but he took it into his own hands and he killed an Egyptian. And God's like, you, you jumped the gun, buddy. That's not, that's not what I was thinking. 
You know, n- number two is if it, if it hurts your marriage and, and, and your kids, if it's going to bring pain to them, it's probably too soon. You're, you're probably out ahead of the game. Uh, if you're ignoring godly counsel and you're just running sometimes, sometimes, and I say sometimes because there may be that one percentile where God is so specifically clear and the counsel doesn't seem to line up and you just need to take that leap, but can I just tell you that's never happened to me yet. Will it? It could. But a lot of times when we ignore godly counsel, we're just pushing the gun and, and some leaders, just like my pastor, I just had a little reservation on the time and I could have said, man, forget you, I'm running and gunning. God has called me to this. But I learned so much through submission. I learned, I had so much development happen in that six years. I'm so glad that we didn't get ahead of God. And so, so when God is, listen, when, when it's not time, it's okay. God just may be developing you. The picture's not crystal clear yet. And, and God may have some, some different plans. And so it's important for you and I, as Proverbs says, it says all, uh, all a person's ways seem pure to them. Like, like when we're making decisions and we're out trying to find our way, like the, the motivation and the feeling is right for the most part. We're, we're trying, like, like it seems right to us, but remember the Lord, um, but motives are weighed by the Lord, meaning God is really looking to our heart. God is really concerned with what's driving us. He's concerned with our motivation. And so when it comes to the will of God, Proverbs says very clearly, commit to the Lord whatever you do. And I love this. And he will establish your plans. Your plans. This word commit, it actually means to roll on top of with a submission and an obedience to God, to his desired will for your life. It's literally to, just like I would put all my weights and just roll on top of this chair. I can't do it. There I go, right? It just means to lay everything in full submission and obedience to him. If you commit your life to God's desired will, God says, man, I'm going to establish your plans. I'm going to direct you. I'm going to shape you. The de- even the decisions that you make in freedom, they're so submitted to me. We're in such harmony, such unity. And Paul says, that's that's where you bear fruit. That's where you grow in the knowledge of God. That's where you please him in all that you do. That's where there's power, endurance, and patience. That's where we find a freedom in the will of God. So that's why the word of God is so important. I'm just going to hit this because... So many times we want direction, but we don't want devotion. God, give me direction, but we never open up our Bibles. Like our devotional life is so much less than our cry for direction. And God's like, maybe if you reverse that, if if you live a life of devotion, maybe direction wouldn't be so hard. I think a lot of times in our quick fix culture, we don't want to... Like, we want to know now. And I feel like if I open up my Bible, it's like, well, what's God going to tell you? He's not going to tell me, like, what to do in this relationship right now. But he may deal with your heart. That's really the issue in the relationship right now. And so, so I, I think we got to get back to such an inhale and understanding and devotion to the Scripture. Because, listen, the Scripture is God-breathed. That means the Holy Spirit just... It's alive, it's active, 
the writer of Hebrews says. And, and, and it's useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness so that you and I are equipped for every good work, so that you and I are being shaped and formed by the desired will of God for our life, that it's affecting our mind, our heart, our, our decisions, which ultimately affects our direction and our sensitivity to the voice of the Holy Spirit. So what am I saying today? I'm saying simply this, that our daily obedience is more important than our future destination. Like, like if we would just, just flip the script, so much of us were just concerned, even now in COVID, what's the future destination? Vision is good, but not when it gets ahead of daily obedience. Because daily obedience will produce a vision. Daily obedience will produce a vision that comes from God. Are you with me on that? And so I'm not saying that future destination, anything's wrong with wanting to know that. But spend more time here and then on the journey, this becomes more and more crystal clear. God told Abraham, he said, Abraham, go to a land you do not know. What? What land? I don't know. Take a step, Abraham. Be faithful to what I told you today. And as you step and walk in daily obedience, I'm going to reveal to you on the journey the next and the next and the next. It's just a simple way of saying walk with God. Walk with God. But I think in our day today, daily obedience gets a backseat to future destination. So we make our own way. God shuts doors and we plow through them. God says, you're moving too slow. We stay stuck because we're afraid. God says, you've been getting out ahead and we just want to keep doing our own thing. Like, man, just, I think sometimes we slow down. Let's look again at the blueprint and understand that God's direction, it's a little bit more like a game plan. There may be some specifics, but you're going to be really hard pressed to find those specifics if you're not walking in his desired will. Are you tracking with me? So daily obedience, ladies and gentlemen, is more important than our future destination. Let's make this the goal. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name. Lord, I'm just so convinced that if we are obedient to you today, we will not miss our tomorrow. And I pray that, Lord, for every person here, that they would know a couple of things. Lord, when you called Paul to, to Macedonia, they suffered a lot in Macedonia. Lord, I think it's important that we know that suffering doesn't mean we're not in your will. Sometimes your will will take us right into the heart of suffering. And even in the midst of suffering, God, you're working in us. You're working for our good. You're working for your glory. And so I don't want us to be confused. Some of us, we're going through a tough time and we're just thinking maybe this isn't the will of God. And, and Lord, maybe you need to reveal to them that it's not, but maybe they're right in the heart of your will. You're just not calling them to run. You're asking them to change. And you want to help transform them instead of have them conform to the things of this world. So God, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Give us a hunger for your word. Help devotion trump direction. Help, help, help our, our devotion um, be, be so clear. Um, help our devotion time. Lord, let, let us put a lot of emphasis and planning into that time as we study your word, as we spend time with you in prayer, as we walk in your desire to will. Daily obedience, Lord, that we would trust you would lead us to that future destination. Listen, if you're here and you're listening to my voice, either uh, online or, or maybe you're here today, you know God's first desire will is that you come to know him. Uh, that you understand the forgiveness that he provides as a result of our sin, the deliverance that he provides from the wrath of God that is to come, the, the grace and the love and the joy that only comes from a relationship with him, eternal life. You know, John says that eternal life is this, that we would know him. 
You see, eternal life just isn't a destination later. It's a relationship now. And God's desire for you, ultimate desire is that you would walk in relationship. If I could sum up God's desired will for your life, it would be summed up in this, walking in a close relationship with him. And so if that's you today, you say, Pastor Matt, I'm tired of going my way. My way's not working. I'm very convoluted when it comes to my direction. Uh, um, I just think I got some of my priorities backwards. And you're saying today, I want to surrender my life to the Lord. If you're here or if you're online, would you pray this with me? There's, there's nothing magical or superstitious about this prayer, but hopefully this expresses what God is already doing on the inside of your heart. And then we'd love to help you grow. Just pray this with me. Come on, can we all pray this together with them? Lord Jesus, I don't want my will. I want your will. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. And you rose again on the third day. You are alive and you are well because death couldn't keep you. You conquered sin, you conquered death, and you did it for me. Lord, I confess you as the Lord of my life. I give you the reins. Fill me with your spirit. Forgive me for my sin. I repent. I'm turning from my sin, and I'm turning to you. Forgive me. Give me a hunger for your word, and help me to know your will. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand? And all those who made a decision for the first time. Thanks again for joining us here at Fountain Church. For more details on how to get connected, visit us at fountainchurch.cc. We're also on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll see you next time.